Hey everyone, it's Ari. Uh, we have a very exciting episode coming up. It's our seasonal finalist roundtable. We've got a great group of guests coming on to plead the cases for the final three. I just wanted to give a quick recap here of the last couple of days before we jump in. We started with the sim motion challenge between our final four. Moss and Dano were the first two out while RDT had a bot malfunction that looked like at first that it took him out, but he was able to re-enter after that was cleared up. Uh, the challenge was restarted with two players left, and it was Mason who came out on top with immunity and a guaranteed spot at the end. So the other three continued to scramble right up until the start of Nautical even pushing the time limit by a couple minutes yet again. Uh, Moss and Mason found themselves on opposite sides with RDT and Dano as the two targets. And the those two could not come to a consensus and they let their other two enter into a fire-making challenge, which like we saw in Dark Forest, for the, and this was the second time in Alliance history, had questions about the game and the lore, everything with the players with quotes uh, in a very similar format slight change to the scoring and ultimately RDT came out on top after 28 questions with a score of 15 to 10 joining Mason and Moss in our final three whether these were the right decisions especially for Mason and Moss will almost certainly be hashed out tomorrow when the jury faces the finalists and now please enjoy the final nautical council roundtable <laughs> device of chores. Hirsch and Ari are here for you to make sense of it all so you don't have to. Talking about alliance on your device of choice. Talking about alliance on your device of choice. Wow. Welcome back, everyone, to a very special episode of Talking About Alliance, the penultimate episode. Uh, as always, I'm Ari, joined by Hirsch. Welcome, Hirsch. Hello, Ari. It is a very exciting day, one of my favorite episodes of the season. And we've got a wide array of guests who will be popping in and out, uh, and some of whom have to leave more soon than others. So let's sort of get into the meat of things as quickly as possible. Uh, so what we're doing is the uh, seasonal final nautical council roundtable, where we will have representatives from each of the or each of the three uh, participants uh, and our three finalists. They'll be making the case. We have guest judges here as well as ourselves as judges to poke at their cases, figure out who we like, um, see, and then we might wrap up with some predictions. Um, so hopefully that all goes well. Let's do it. Also, uh, because uh, we have Rush here, who was, uh, I believe, the only winner pick for RDT at the start of the season. Uh, welcome on in. Hello. Hey, Rush. Thanks for, thanks for being here. Uh, and I know you have to go out in a little bit, so let's jump right in. Um, tell us why you think RDT deserves to be the sole alliance or sole survivor or whatever we're calling it now, the champion of Alliance High Seas. 
Uh, I think it's just called winner, winner, chicken dinner. That'll work for either one. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, he has shown in the game the, from the little bits uh, that I knew coming in exactly what I expected out of him and mentioned in the, the dossier that he was a civil engineer. So that's, of course, near and dear to my heart since I'm a civil engineer. And I knew he'd be methodical and, you know, an analytical about challenges or command hunting. And that's what he's done. And he's done all that while being fun and friendly and classy. And, you know, he's, he's was the age that I thought would be good. He was young enough to connect with some of the younger players and old enough to act like an adult <laughs> uh, the rest of the time. Um, and I, I liked in his dossier, he, he said, you know, given the choice, he picks the fun option. And he's sort of shown that in what he's done through the game to, um, you know, obviously he, he found an idol, he found an advantage, he uh, did lots of searching and hunting. So I, I think that his gameplay and just the, the, the social part of what he's done is far and away better than the two other options. Rush, when, um, when Ari was uh, looking for uh, people to uh, perhaps represent RDT kind of uh, here just earlier today, I kind of threw your name out, um, not even realizing that you had picked him as your winner pick. Um, <laughs> and the reason I threw your name out was because his style of play reminded me a lot of yours in, 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 in a lot of ways. Not, you know, it's not a one-for-one -one comparison, but his style reminded me of you a lot, um, which makes me ask you, where did he go right? Where was the, you know, when, when your game went left, his game went right and led him to final tribal and you were voted out uh, before final tribal council, your season in, um, in Discordia. So what did he do or what happened for him that didn't happen for you? Oh, wow. So that, that's like a two, two sided question because that I have to revisit the mistakes I made and, and things he did right. I think one of the things that, um, you know, he had an advantage on in one of the things that went wrong for me is when I started one of the cascades for the advantage that Penny found, I mistyped the command and, and she got it. And there were, there were a bunch of people in all the channels hunting for stuff so we were babysitting and then also hunting in front of people well he didn't have that <laughs> no, nobody else was ever looking for anything hardly when he was that kind of was in his favor either they weren't there or they just didn't know to be there um whereas i think everybody at that point in discordia knew you know to look and how to look or at least how to try to look um and then I, you know he didn't make um, you know, I mean, I got called out for trying to lie about getting caught with my hand in the cookie jar, and he didn't have that, didn't do that, and and uh, kind of stayed either around that or away from that. So, um, short answer is he's better at it than I <laughs> for sure. So, yeah, um, so I also forgot to introduced Rush as 
uh, Discordia um, alum, uh, a solid player in his own right, found multiple advantages, and also the creator of our theme song, Remix Edition, uh, and some other sounds that we've had throughout the season. So appreciate that. Um, and also yes. along with RDT, I think two of the three players off that I can remember, the other being Lola, to gift an idol to someone at any point in the game. Um, not a lot of others have even played an advantage on anyone else. Um, so I'm curious what uh, what was it about RDT? And you mentioned a little bit that drew you to be, I think, the, yes, the only one uh, to pick him as the winner at the start of the season. Well, he has three initials and I have three initials. So right there, you know, practically the same person. Um, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. It's everybody, I, I think, does the same thing, unless you know. I mean, I know a lot of the viewers knew some of the cast. And so, you know, either they were biased that way or they knew something about them. So, if you don't know anything about them, I think you just read over it and say, yeah, okay, that's, that kind of seems to line up with what it takes to get to the end. And so it was really a lucky guess. <laughs> so, so let's bring in um, our first guest judge here. Allie is with us. Allie was on Team Dano throughout the season, uh, or at least especially in the second half. And uh, with Dano not making it to the finals, is now here as our guest judge. So welcome in. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Uh, glad well, to have so, you, Allie. Uh, so, uh, Allie, where do you kind of see the weaker parts in RDT's appeal to the jury? And where might he struggle? Um, I really think he's going to struggle because they, the lie that he's, he's supposedly told not that he actually did tell but what they believe he told they're really going to be holding that against him uh from what i've seen and what i've read it's been a strong case that he lied about the idols and so i think that's going to be one of the weaker points for him coming into to the votes uh yeah um, i think that's definitely a factor for crystal uh Hirsch, do you have something there well, no, I was like, yeah, the, uh, I, I would hope for it for that. It would just be as simple as I didn't have the idol when you thought I had it. I had the, I had the, uh, safety without power. I found the idol. I would be tempted. I would be tempted just because of who I am to say something along the lines of, I saw that you found the first captain's log two weeks ago. I found it a couple days ago and solved it in three hours. Probably not the best route to go with the, uh, with the jury. Um, but, uh, he can, he can also play that up. Um, what I, I think is bigger, I think that will be a hang up with Crystal because she'll think that he didn't get one over on her when he clearly did. Wouldn't um, it be easier though to say, uh, why would I tell you? I mean, yeah. it goes, yeah. goes ways. Um, I mean, what, what would be the, have been the advantage to, for him to tell her that? So you know, I think that's how he can defend himself. Yeah, he's going to have to be smooth when he talks about it um, to get around it. But that that was one of the spews that was in there. And I'm sure Deadly's going to really crack into him as well. 
Well, so, so the facts here, so RDT found the safety without power uh, from the treasure chest, which is what Crystal was looking at. Um, and then he found the idol from the captain's log afterwards. Those are the facts of the case. And as always, the jurors can sometimes rely just as much on their own feelings as uh, the facts in some situations. And that's always a valid way for them to go into a final tribal. And I was going to ask Rush how you would respond if you were in RDT's position. Uh, and you kind of answered there just saying, why would I tell you? Yeah, I lied to you because um, I found it when you weren't able to. Yeah, and I'm kind of curious if that's the best strategy and if that'll be the one he goes with, because I'm almost certain that this will come up. Yeah, and, and I mean, I don't even think he has to say, I did lie to you. In, in this particular type of game, everybody has to parse out the difference between lying and withholding. <laughs> and they're kind of two different things. And so, you know, again, I think he all he has to do is 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 say that you know this is this is the facts like you said and there was no strategic advantage for me to divulge that to you what had you given me what would it do for me you know those kind of things so obviously their strategy and that was part of his strategy so well yeah he can't throw it back at her because she did keep a lot of things from him as well oh yeah that's a that's a classic response. I would think you know it's just like you didn't tell what were you telling me that you what were you not telling me, you know and 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 everybody's not telling somebody something. Yeah, and I mean that's always a part of the game. Um, yeah. Whether it's withholding information, making up lies, I don't think anyone in this game can say they didn't do both of those on multiple occasions. Uh, and it's a matter of saying I did this because I wanted to win. Yeah. What um do Russian alley as a, as as a, a point as a opposite sides of the coin? Uh, do you think that uh, RDT will suffer for having been basically saved at final five and at final four by Moss's uh, unwillingness to vote him out when she had opportunity to do it both times? I. Honestly, where Moss is concerned, I think it's going to hurt her more than it's going to hurt him because he, he managed to convince her to not give him up, stay faithful. I mean, I think he used um, something similar to the, you know, we've, we've hung out through this whole game and, you know, I really appreciate you being by my side. So I think it'll hurt her more than it'll hurt him. Yeah. I mean, you can always say anybody at any point could have gone if any number of things, you know, were different. I mean, that's that's true each each season, whether it's drawing rocks or sorry, her, um, or, you know, whether it's finding or not finding or whether it's you got swapped and burned in the swap or, you know, whatever. So there's always should have, could have, would have factor into the final decision. Yeah, so quickly, oh, Rush, before you have to run out here, I'll, are there any other questions or things you're anticipating being brought up in final nautical? Um, and how do you think RDT should respond to that? Ah, <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I think I think we covered all of those things. Um, 
I don't know what previous relationships factor in at all to the the other two. So I don't know if he has to overcome any of that. Uh, if Mason and Moss have either previous org or in real life relationships with anybody. So if, if he has to overcome that, that may be something he'll speak to. But. We know that Dano played a mole org with him. Um, so we know that much at least. Uh, do you think there's anybody on the jury who is 100% a no vote on RDT? as opposed to a pro vote on someone else, somebody who just will not vote for RDT? You know, I, I haven't read all of the DMs and followed everything, but I don't remember that coming up. I think there's there's some pro-Moss and pro-Mason votes, but I don't, I don't know that there's anybody that's just dead set against a no for RDT. Uh, also, um, thanks so much, Rush, for joining. If there's anything else Thank you want to me. mention before you Good run. To... Good to have you on here, sir. Uh, well, so uh, let's rope in um, our second guest judge, our recurring guest judge on these, uh, Brando. Thanks again for joining here once again. I made it. Can everyone hear me? Yeah. Yes, we can. All right. That's a surprise. All right. So uh -huh. I'll have you know, I did, I did have to fork over some money to pay for the, the <laughs> to, to pay the Wi-Fi gods here. So, you know, expect well, we the tab at coming out your door. <laughs> we certainly appreciate you coming on. Uh, we'll certainly, we'll, I think we'll incorporate it into uh, next season's TBA budget. Um, which is currently sitting at zero dollars and zero cents. Uh, but thanks exactly. for being here. <laughs> uh, also, uh, Brando, if you're um, someone, I guess someone on the jury, uh, let's say you're Crystal and you're not sure if you should trust everything RDT says after he somewhat withheld information, may have made things up in regarding what advantages he had when, uh, or maybe you're at Sully's spot and you're not sure if, you know, if it was maybe Moss or Mason was the person pulling the strings the whole time and getting all the votes into place. What would convince you to vote for RDT? What would convince me to vote for RDT? So I, I mean, so that's kind of like, that's kind of, you know, it, the ball's in his court. I think, I think as others have said in the lounge, like it's not that anyone can't, it's not that anyone can't win. It's that, you know, he does have, a bit of a head start. Um, so I, I, a lot is going to come down to these speeches. And at least for RDT, um, I think he has the clearest path to a convincing story. Um, he could talk about, you know, we were saying that if, if, you know, this was Dano at the final three, that, you know, he has this underdog story. The same could be said for RDT. Um, he got swapped as a minority into, you know, into Leviathan, had to go to two tribal councils, managed to survive both. And, you know, as you know, his, his story, you know, is one of an underdog, right? You know, he'll, he constantly reminds everyone that, you know, he was at his lowest point heading into merge and, you know, he kind of fought through that and he can, he can, 
bring about this narrative that, you know, he had to take control of the game into his own hands in, you know, a slightly sneaky way, I would say. Um, I think Moss helps a lot in this regard um, to at least bounce ideas off of. But, you know, ultimately, you know, the turning point in the game was, you know, a name he suggested because I'm pretty confident in the fact pretty confident in the fact that if he doesn't say anything about um, saving Dano, then Dano just goes. So. Yeah. You're right. He's got to yeah. be yeah. He's Go just got to be engaged. You know? Answer questions honestly and be engaging and sell that story. Um, and that's the, for me, that's this, his clearest narrative because he's got all the other bona fides. He's got the advantages. He's got a challenge win. He had a good social game. And he's got that underdog story um, that really Mason and Moss never really had. Um, and that's just a whole lot of pieces of the puzzle that you're looking for when you're sitting on a jury. And, um, you know, unless he falls flat on his face, he's in great shape. Uh, yeah, and I think uh, kind of what Brandon Brando was saying, going off that is sort of his strongest argument as a general narrative that he you know, was swapped into the minority, lost two of his original mates without really much of anything he could do about it. Um, and even, you know, if, even if he finds that treasure chest earlier, he's still only saving himself and not changing either of those outcomes. Uh, and, you know, and then he goes into the merge, essentially a lone wolf and uses that position to pretty much better than I think anyone else, um, I would say maybe better than Dano did get into the middle of everything and suddenly be the one pretty much calling the shots for a lot of the game, uh, hiding along with Moss and, you know, establish, establishing himself as a pretty big threat, uh, winning some challenges, playing advantages, and at the same time, never really coming up as a threat to go home. Um, and then of course you add it in. Uh, so I think if he makes, you know, if he makes that aspect, his speech his opening arguments, he'll be in a good spot. Um, and then of course you add in the way he got to the end with the fire making challenge. And when he got there by knowing the jury, knowing everything that happened in the game, having paid attention, showing how engaged he was. Uh, and you sort of have this way he went through the game where he sort of established himself as a potential threat, did well in just about all the challenges, but at the same time was never really in danger of going. Um, his name was almost never brought up. And he, along with Moss or parts of it, just found ways to keep himself safe. Allie, would that sell you on a vote, uh, on an RDT vote? Honestly, um, if he can put the words in there and formulate exactly what he did, I think that... Uh, it could sway me, but uh, he he does have a problem. He gets real anxious, and if he starts fumbling, he's going to lose it. He's got to be he's got to be bold enough to be able to speak up and say, "This is exactly what I did throughout this old game." Because if he doesn't, people are just going to to brush it off. I want, to, I want to try to hop in here. So I do agree that I, I think right. spur of the moment, 
right spur of the moment conversations might be a bit difficult for him, but you know, he's going to do the prep work. And I, I think I've done it. I've said this many times on these roundtables is that you can have an idea ahead of time of what the jury is going to ask you if you're paying attention. And I'm just looking over at rites of passage. I've been seeing the channel this whole time. Like he had something already written out for every single player in the game. And then he just copy and pasted it. So if he puts in, if he puts in the time, you know, ahead of the game, I think he's going to be fine. Now, if there's a question, you know, if there's a question or two that might fluster him, you know, maybe that brings him back to the level of everyone else in the field, but he, he's a smart guy. I think he's going to bring his A game. We'll see if it's enough. Um, so well, um, touch on that more. Um, uh, I think at the end when we go back through things, but let's introduce our other two representatives who are here now, and then we'll get into our next case. Um, so welcome Tom Hardy, uh, Banjo Sudswater, the other man of many names uh, here. He will be, of course, representing Moss. Uh, so welcome in, thanks for being here. Hey Ari, hey Hirsch, thanks for having me on. Good to see you, sir. Welcome to TBA. Yeah, it's, not Camelot. it's not Camelot, but it'll have to do. <laughs> uh, and we also have the pleasure of reintroducing an earlier guest from the season and Summit alumni Spencer is here as one of, I think, the few winner picks for Mason. Uh, so we'll be that representative. Uh, so thanks, Spencer, for being back on today. Uh, welcome in, Spencer. Thank you all for having me. Welcome back, Spence. Thanks. Uh, also, Spencer, I know um, you have slight concerns about storms and internet issues. Um, so whenever you're ready, go ahead and give us the case for Mason to be our right. champion for our right. winner, Thank winner, chicken I, dinner. I think Mason probably has the toughest road out of the three to make it. But I think when you look back throughout the story phase, his social game was one of the stronger ones. I think everyone, as they were going out the door, except Gwen and Cece, really liked Mason. He was very close with Flair. He was very close with Deadly. And I think those two votes could be borderline locked votes. And he voted with Dano and gave him the chance to make fire. So I think that could be three votes he has a strong argument for. And with those three, if Moss and RDG split a couple, he could come out on top with only three votes. It could be all he needs. I do think he'll have to have a situation kind of like that to have a strong chance, though. So you see a potential plurality win for him? As yes, opposed to I, I think that's what he needs to win. Okay. So if you're Mason and you're facing the jury at FNC, what is the argument that you're making on why you deserve to win? I would argue my loyalties to Flair and Deadly very strong and try and work Dano's vote. But a lot of my arguments, I feel like, wouldn't be attacks on other people's games, but I would be chiming in as much as possible when RDT is trying to claim stuff and negating that it was just his. I, when RDT's answering a question and stuff, I'd be chiming in and saying his part in it also and not let people be complacent and just thinking RDT was running things, even if RDT kind of was. 
so um, and then we'll have our judges chime in in a minute. Chime in in a minute. Are you worried about you know if you go on the attack that that could start rubbing the jury the wrong way? Um, I, I think it definitely could, but if this is a saltier jury, I think they might would honestly like that. They've anytime there's been a more fiery answer at like a nautical or anything, their reactions have been much more positive than just the tame like positive stuff. So I kind of think this jury would enjoy a bit of negativity, to be quite honest. Uh, so we'll have, oh, go ahead, Hirsch. I'm going to say like if um if, if let's say I'm a juror and you're Mason, um, Mason, what was your biggest game move that you can take complete ownership of? I would say he played a strong role in the Gwen vote, and I think he could maybe use deadly and stuff and say that he couldn't take full credit but he can take about 50 50 there i think if he wanted to and the solely vote would be the main one i would try and argue that he had his way in i think he could tell the jury that he was the reason rdt and moss wanted to vote solely that he planted those seeds okay uh, so did you know Mason beforehand? I think he was the one who said on the dossier that he's played in the Dollar Viver series a while back. Uh, so uh, did you know anything about him and, or, and what made you go with Mason for that winner pick? Me and Mason have played in one other org together and we were a very tight duo in it, reminiscent of how he was with Deadly in this one. He actually ended up voting me out, but I respected it. And I knew he was a super solid player who is just instantly likable. You can't help but like him and just want him to stay around. So I knew from the beginning that he'd be making it far in the game. And I think he is a lot more well-spoken and smarter. And from that video he posted earlier in the season, I, I think he had more of a grasp on the game than he was even showing us. And I think, I know that he has the capability to win over a jury. So that was the big reason I wanted to pick him. All right, let's hear from our uh, guest judges. Um, what do you all think about Mason's, um, Mason's plea at the end and how well do you see or how many votes do you think he might get and what's his best strategy? For me, um, I'm not a Mason fan. I think that he's played a very weak game. And uh, I think that it's gonna be really hard for him to pull anything from the season to make a case for himself other than like maybe right there at the end with Dano. But uh, I mean, he has done some behind the scenes things, but he never pushed anything. He was always a real soft player that kind of went with the flow. And if the jury sees him going with the flow throughout this whole season, he's going to have a hard case to prove. And that's all in my opinion. Of course. I can definitely see the reasoning there, but I think Mason has been out of the three segments of Outwit, Outplay, and Outlast, 
or the social strategic and like strength wise strategic probably was his weakest in this season but i think he made up for it with his really strong social bonds and he was always in challenges he may have only won one but in the pre-merge he was super challenge strong and i can't remember any that he was just bad at so he has two elements of the game that he was still very strong in and it wasn't like he was terrible strategically it just didn't shine as bright as rdtu he's sitting next to and i agree with that he he is not shining as bright um i i think he'll get at least two votes i really do but uh he's really gonna have to sell it to get it Uh, i definitely agree Uh, okay yeah so okay for me i mean everyone knows me i critique everybody in the lounge you know everyone's terrible blah 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 but to, to be honest you know you, you come to these final councils and you know any anything can go we don't you know we might think one way it might turn you know we could totally be off in how the jury is you know perceiving unless you know you can see it but even then you don't always get all the answers. So what does Mason need to do to win this game? I I think Spencer nails like what Mason is really good at. You know, it, it took a little bit, you know, he obviously he had some out of the game, you know, life things come up. So he had to be out for a little bit, which is fine. I think, you know, after the deadly vote, you know, he kind of got, you know, Maybe, you know, unfortunately he loses his best ally, but that was kind of the kick in the pants that he needed because he was definitely a lot more active from that point forward. Um, and, you know, I kind of harken back to, you know, that you know, he drops that video confessional PowerPoint where he pretty much nails almost everything that's going on in the game. And I, you know, that, that shows to me that he's paying attention. You know, he nails all the duos. He has an order to a boot list that would make sense to me. Um, so he clearly, you know, even though we don't get to see, you know, the bold strategy moves that, you know, maybe RDT took into his own hands, but he clearly had a path and maybe maybe he wasn't like, you know, the sole owner of said path, he did, he did enough to get, you know, the result that he mostly wanted. Now, the only difference being RDT is here at this final. Um, he would have preferred Dano, and then his, you know, before final six video would have been spot on, basically. So for him, he's just got a, he's just got to hearken that, you know, he put, you know, he made connections, you know, he made connections. He made sure that he wasn't going to be the target, and he had his shields. You know, he respects Flair, but Flair was a bigger threat. He had to go. You know, he kind of leaned in on Sully for a little bit. He had to go. And you know, I think it, it's a little bit more of a nuanced game, and maybe that's why he doesn't get as much respect. Um, and kind of Moss is the same way in that regard. But he, he's got to focus on that, you know. I might not have been the sole owner of all the moves, but 
I made sure that the target was what I wanted. It just wasn't flashy. He's going to have to basically point out that he's got to point out that, you know, I knew all these relationships well before anyone else was even thinking about it. I think that's how he has to approach it because I think he did know. Um, he just, you know, didn't exactly move on it until later. And I'll add on to that that I don't think Mason ever made a bad move for his game, really. RDT, you can point to, he gave Moss an idol when he didn't need to. Moss didn't play the idol on RDT that could have made her a front runner at final. He, he never had to make a big move because the moves that were naturally happening were the right move for him at most points. So I don't think it should be a discredit to him for not being flashy because he didn't have to be flashy to get what he wanted. I, uh, I agree with Ali that he's probably, I think he's got people on the jury who want to vote for him and are looking for a good reason to, if he gives them one. Um, but he's going to have to be very clear about that reason. And, and I agree with, uh, I agree with Spence and, uh, and Brandon that um, he, he's going to need, he's going to really need to pay attention at final tribal for those openings where he can, give that little bit of extra information just to maybe try to sway those others who might be on the fence um, over to his side. Um, he, he could, he could make this really close. I think if anyone is likely to make this a close final tribal for, for a change, it's him. Let's Spencer, where do you see um, on that? The biggest you know, points of concern for the jury, what are the toughest questions that you anticipate Mason facing? Uh, and how do you respond to that if you're in his position? I think the toughest questions for him are going to be the ones that are aimed directly at him. Just saying, Mason, name three direct things you can claim. I think that is where it's going to be hard for him because he was always tangled up with other people. And I think he honest with those questions won't be able to answer them directly he will have to establish and like paint the picture of what his game was that it was always tangled up with other things but anything that is direct and straightforward to him i think is where he'll struggle that he looks his best when things are like muddled so i i think that he definitely needs a bit of zach type chaos to be able to shine the brightest. Is there anybody you think will absolutely not vote for him? I don't think Gwen will vote for him and Cece. Then thinking about it, I think Dano is probably 90% on RDT, but the other 10% would be Mason. And I think that um, Flair, Zach, Soli could be strong allies deadly and maybe Dano or the votes he should be really hammering in for any other direct questions or concerns or anything from our guest judges on mason's case well i would say something on a positive for mason if he could pull up the the fact that he was had his hands in everything or almost everything 
when it came to the votes and everything else, because he was a lot behind the scenes. If he can pull that up and start showing that during each vote he was had his hands in it or was a part of it, I think that he could get the votes that way. Because that shows some strength there. Yeah, I kind of agree. So, like, obviously, when it comes to big strategic moves, Mason cannot go this route. Um, RDT wipes the floor with him no matter what. So he's got to pick and choose, you know, the battles that he's going to take here at this FNC. And his approach is actually going to be very similar to Moss's, I, I think. They're both going to try to do the same thing, you know, that, yeah, I wasn't, you know, the super vocal, you know, vote pusher, but I was always in the middle of everything because everyone likes me and wants to talk to me. Exactly. So it's whether it, it for voting wise, it's going to be, you know, who is the jury going to believe between those two? Because I feel like one is probably going to shut out the other because they're both going to have the same argument. So it's either Mason's going to get votes or Moss is going to get votes out of that contingent. I don't know if there's a path that both are going to get a significant number. I, I can agree with that. And I think one of the high priorities that Final article for Mason should be doing subtly, of course, but discrediting some of Moss's game that may make a di a different like a difference in that Mason played in the middle, but was playing more both sides in the middle, while Moss was just playing under the radar and more behind RDT, and had the opportunity. And I feel like he needs to hammer in that Moss could have gotten rid of RDT, who was, was clearly a big threat twice in a row and didn't. Do you think there's any benefit to packaging what was probably the moment where he was most on the outside when Deadly got blindsided, repackaging that as a, uh, as, as a uh, propulsion to him having to play his own game, something that Brandon was talking about earlier? Can, that, can he use that blindside to – you know, as an excuse that, you know, propelled him into playing his own game, make it a, make it a positive as, a, as opposed to a negative where he didn't know what was going on. I think he for sure could do that. And I think a lot of this jury is more ingrained in the org community where that's like a respected strategy to <coughs> start playing stronger at final seven, six. And I think players like Flair and Zach and Deadly will have a lot of respect for that since they've been around and seen that that is a winning strategy. Yeah, and to kind of combo on that, you know, we're talking a lot about narrative, you know, what do these players have in terms of story? And, you know, you, you can make the argument for Mason that, you know, because of that, his game was harder to pull off. He was on the outside, you know, people were, starting to chime in his name I you know Dano probably said a number of times yeah I think Mason's going to be pretty close to being voted out because he keeps voting for me and you know what he overcame that and you know they were even on you know miraculously speaking terms for you know the later stages of the merge game not everyone can pull that off he you know he's got to turn it you know it's people do like you know when people are resilient, it's a lot harder to play the game from that position than, you know, you're just, everything comes easy to you. I'm not saying it, 
this game was easy for anyone, but, you know, if you're not targeted, you know, you do have a little bit more sense of calm about how you approach everything. You're not walking on eggshells, so to speak. Yeah, I think that's one of the things he can hold over Moss is Moss was in the majority at her original tribe, then at the swap had the majority, then at the merge, Deadly and Mason chose to go with Moss, so Moss was in the majority. So never once did Moss have to fight from the bottom, which is shows Moss playing a good game, but I think it also makes Mason more compelling to the jury, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It makes it seem like he had to fight much more than they ever did. Yeah, I think that's his best option of what's available to him. He's got to play it from that angle, which is similar to RDT's angle, but their games are different. So he's going to be like, yeah, I was an underdog too. And here's why, and here's how I approach things. Definitely. Uh, all right. Thanks, Spencer. And we'll certainly get back to you in a bit. Um, but let's open up now to our third representative, Banjo Sudgewater, Tom Hardy, uh, a friend of Moss who has been a vocal supporter uh, all season long. Uh, so uh, welcome on in. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, okay. yeah, take it away. Uh, all right. So uh, Moss is someone that I've known for some time now. She uh, spectated the org I host, and she was a really good spectator in that. And I played an org that she co-hosts, and we've talked quite a bit. Uh, we're friends. You know, she's really nice to talk to. She's great. So when Alliance opened for high seas casting, I did try a lot to get her to apply. So I'm really happy that she did and that she got to play and that all of y'all have gotten to sort of meet her and see what she's like. I never actually had seen her playing before, but I've heard that her play style is more under the radar. And I was intrigued about that because she has, she's done well in past orgs, I think, but of course lines are different from other orgs in many regards. But something that I feel like has been true for a lot of Alliance history, I've spectated every season except Mojo. And in general, I feel like very few of the people that make FTC have had the sort of like intentional, intentionally under the radar strategy, so to speak, like a UCR with a purpose. Like we've had stuff like Bun, who had a lot of business in real life, or Bot and Chattern, who just didn't really do a whole lot for his own game. But I feel like outside of like maybe Muse, we haven't had many players make it all the way to final tribal without doing anything while solely while their main case for winning was solely just subtleties that's a very nuanced game nothing major to point to but a lot of little things that you can point to and i feel like moss has that i do think that moss is in the worst spot entering ftc but i think that she has the greatest potential in terms of increase in juror opinion during ftc if she plays her cards right like to the point where, and this is, of course, it wouldn't be me if I didn't make a hot take. I legitimately think there's a possibility she could unanimously sweep this jury if she played it right, 7-0 or 8-0, sorry. But I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to – I wouldn't put money on it, but I think it's possible. And my main case for Moss 
Um, I have a lot of comments about it, but to put it more, to put it succinctly, just to start off, I feel like her best narrative to convincing this jury here is a lot about destiny, because because we've been talking a lot about story arcs about you know who has the best narrative entering FTC, and I think something that's really important in any organ, any survivor in Alliance history has been how in control were you of your own destiny in the game? How much control did you have throughout your time in there that shows that you all, that you're the reason that you're at FTC, not anyone else, but you. Shannon had a lot of control over her game. Shitters had a lot of control over his game. Lola did, Gerardo did, even Cars did to a sense. It's, it's, that's a, it's something that I feel like has been consistent in Alliance winners. And I feel like of the three, of the three finalists here, Moss has the best way to argue that she had been the most in control of her destiny throughout the game, that she's been someone who has never really been on the bottom. She's someone who has never been in danger of voted out, not just, and that's significant. Like besides Jamal randomly throwing a vote on her in the first tribal, she's never had a vote against her. And that's not because people didn't notice her because nobody ever really, there's never really any desire to vote Moss out. But with that, I don't feel like it was because they didn't see her as a threat. It was because, for in some cases, they were. Like, I think Crystal never saw her as a threat. Well, I think a lot of people never voted her because they just really – it wasn't something that came to their mind. Moss was able to make those connections with people strong enough where that no one really wanted to vote her out. She was very aware of the game. She, she – we haven't seen a lot of confessionals from her, though I've heard rumored that there's some spicy stuff in there for postseason – but it sounds from what we have seen and from what she's indicated in talking to other people, it does sound like she has a really good grasp of what the lines had been throughout this game. She has never, she never voted incorrectly, which would probably be something she brings up that she's always been aware of where the vote was going. And in general, while, and in general, RDT has been at the bottom of the times, Mason has been at the bottom a lot of the times. Moss has really always been in a good position, even in spots where she might have not been, where she maybe shouldn't have been in a good position. She was able to move herself into being in a good position, but she would never put herself in something as a top. She never put herself as a threat. And that's what's going to be difficult for her to talk to the jury about, I think, that she's never been a major player. She's never been someone with a significantly large profile, which, and so her key to convincing this jury, I think, is going to be selling the jury on the fact that, and I feel like it is, that she did this, that she did this intentionally and that it worked out for her. So I think that's going to be her, what she needs to have as her main push here. Uh, So um, it's definitely a few different things to look at, but so I think the main contention, at least from our perspective, and I'm assuming this is where the jury will be thinking, um, will be and if that's where she starts the arguments. Uh, so if you played this under the radar game um, and you know you were never targeted, but is that because you made yourself, you know, you cuddled up to everyone and found the social way of playing the game? Or is that because you never made yourself a threat and never really did anything and never made any moves? And why should we vote for you over someone you know, if you're next to Mason, who flipped against his original tribe mates and made that move and stuck with it all the way to the end, uh, or against RDT, who 
goes visibly in control for much of the game and has challenge wins and advantage plays to back that up. Uh, you know, how do you tackle that argument if you're Moss? Well, simple. She has made moves. She never pushed a vote. That doesn't mean you never push a move. I think one of the most common misconceptions is that a move is either you pushed a vote or you played an advantage. And in my opinion, that's just not what a move is. There's a, there's a lot of complexity to it. There's subtlety in moves. And I feel like Moss throughout the game has done not major things, but smaller things to resituate the game to put herself into a slightly better position than she was before. Like, I'll, like you'll see her doing – like, you see her – a lot of it is social, of course. She's, I think that we can – I hope we can all agree that she has a pretty strong social game. She's connected well with people. Even on the bottom, she connected very well with CeCe before he got booted, which I don't know if she intended to do that as jury management or what. She started – I feel like she started warning people back during the, like – the Zach vote, I want to say, that flare could be something threatening, and those seeds end up coming to fruition way over in F6 when everyone decided to vote her off, uh, ever decided to vote off flare right there. So she saw that RDT was on the bottom, and I, in my opinion, and as is clear, she's the, only, she's the person that was definitely the most successful in going to RDT, someone who was on the bottom but was in the middle of it all because of being on the bottom. And I'd argue that she plays an instrumental part in pulling him out from that position and helping him get to a position where, yes, he's in power, but he's in power because of her. And almost everything that he's planning, if not everything that he's planning, is going through her, that she's finding out about everything he does as he does it. She, he tells her about the safety without power. He tells her about the idol. All the inf- and there's a point I remember, someone, I think it might have been Brandon that said this in the lounge, for one of these votes, every single person was going to her just to see what was up. She was the person that everyone wanted to go to just to see what was happening, and she didn't even need to do anything about it because those were because that was what she did. Her moves weren't about throwing someone out of the game or idling someone out. So yeah, she didn't idle out. She didn't use her the idol at F5 to idle out RDT. I would argue that's because she didn't need to which I guess I'll tie into that because I do feel like that's something that they're going to ask at FCC. Why didn't you idle RDT out? RDT, in my opinion, is why he, he's played a great game and I won't deny it, but Moss can argue that a lot of the reason he's in the game right now is because of her. And she couldn't argue that for other people in this game. Sully was someone that had his own game and it was separate from Moss. It was a lot more tied to Crystal's. Uh, Dano had his own underdog narrative, something that Moss didn't control, but a lot of RDT's game and what he's going to be arguing at FCC, it's intrinsically tied to Moss. Is it tied to his conversation with Moss, him being able to bounce ideas off of Moss, him planning with Moss? And if he can use that, that means Moss can use that. His destiny was tied with Moss's destiny. And Moss can say that. Moss can say RDT wouldn't be here if it wasn't for me. If one of those two were there, they were there, and that was out of my control. RDT is here. That wasn't my control. And that would be the, And that's why I think she didn't idle him out at F5. That's why I think she put him in fire at F4, further establishing his life was literally in her hands. And that's, all, and that's the reason he's there today, and she can point that out. That was – Well, so, yeah, so the one other big thing I first you want to cut in for a second? 
Um, yeah, I was, was going to say- mention also the idle play and how that gets framed to the jury and how they perceive it. Yeah. Um, now you could say you can make that same argument for um, coming from Dark Forest. Uh, Bun and Shitters fool. Uh, Bun had two opportunities to cut Shitters, did not take them, and it ends up uh, in third place at a uh, at, at final tribal council. So how is this? Situ- yeah, how is this situation different? Well, okay, I think that's that's a good comparison because I feel like Bun is the only other person. That at least I spectated. That's made FCC all also look, being a little more under the radar in narrative. But I feel like the difference is back in Dark Forest, Bun didn't really communicate with anyone besides Shitters all that much, if I'm remembering correctly. Versus Moss has had strong bonds with just about like basically everyone. Really, everyone liked her a lot. A lot of people want to work with her. Even back during early merge, you had Crystal basically counting on Moss's vote. Uh, Deadly wanted to take Moss all the way to Final Four. Flair had a really good connection with Moss on the top of the head. So you have all these jurors that they do have this strong connection with Moss. And from that connection, they can see that she wasn't just sitting there tight with RDT and no one else. RDT wasn't her only line. It was just her firmest line, so to speak. So versus Bun, I feel like was someone who's in, who like 90% of his game and a significant amount of his conversation was relying on shitters, which would make that more – it made it look like more him being loyal to shitters rather than him playing his own game, which I think was what happened back in Dark Horse. Fair. Um, uh, so um, we'll rope in our judges in a second. But uh, in terms of the out of play, how are – you know, do you see the jury responding and how do you think that gets framed? Honestly. I get where she's coming from. She has a lot of stuff that I think she can say about it. I don't know how the jury's going to feel about it. I mean, I didn't, from what confessionals came from, I don't even know if Daniel realized that it was a thing that could have happened. But then, then again, Daniel didn't know she had the idol. So I don't know how the jury's going to see it. But, I mean, if Moss had played the idol on RDT, and she can say this, if she played the idol on RDT, I still I think she honestly has a really good chance of just getting voted out fourth right then and there. Uh, even even if Dano didn't win immunity, which he probably won, have he didn't do too well at Samotion. Uh, I don't really that the threat level that that would assign Moss, along with the fact that based on the conversations in the final four DMs, it did seem like there was some level there was some respect for Moss's game already. That would give Moss's game enough clout where it just will have got, I don't want to say enough clout, it will get enough visibility or just will have gotten her voted off or sent to fire right there, which isn't really something she could be confident that she wins. So I would say that her defense for not doing the idle play is that doing it would be too risky, would be very likely to have her not make FTC, and then versus the option of not doing it and doing it and idling herself instead ensured that in case Sully was in case Sully had somehow turned a vote on her without her knowing she's protected against that uh either if what she thinks happened happened then Sully's out and RDT is in the game solely by her command essentially something that she could have prevented happen and she didn't which puts RDT in her debt and which puts already and which weakens RDT's narrative because now RDT's narrative has become more reliant on her, more dependent and independent. Okay, um, well, let's get our 
guest judges back in here. Uh, what are you thinking about what you've heard so far and what going through your heads? <laughs> All right. Um, well, what do you want to go first? Go ahead. Okay. Um, first thing, uh, let's, let's just keep it on this idle play. I've been very vocal about this idle play. Um, I understand the reason for playing it on yourself. That's fine. What benefit does it does it give Moss to tell everyone there that hey, this is RDT's idol? I don't. I guess you can construe it as oh, look at him. He's the big threat. Except he doesn't. She doesn't even try to take him out next next round. So. And, and it's not like the people there weren't already going to try to get RDT on that before. I think that was very clear um, just from conversations before that vote. I don't, I don't know what that benefit, how that, it just looked a little sloppy to me. Um, perhaps it was, you know, she wasn't really online that much that day. And, you know, she only got handed to it, handed the idol five minutes before tribal. So perhaps the length of tribal wasn't really enough to get her thoughts on it, but that, that just looked like a misplay to me, at least in terms of the language used around, you know, the play itself. Uh, yeah, of all the things that Moss has done, that's the one that's definitely weirded me out most. I'm very curious to see her defense of it or if she even acknowledges it, because that, I do have a theory about it, but I can't confirm it because it would require me to see some kind of confessional from her, which I haven't. But my theory, or even maybe this would just be the way I would argue it if I was her, is that I wasn't talking to the other finalists. It had nothing to do with increasing RDT's threat level. I was talking to the jury. I wanted the jury to know that this idol that I got came from RDT, which does a few things. Firstly, this, firstly if Crystal is paying attention, and she usually does to these tribal councils, this is going to piss her off at him entering the FTC because she's going to think that he lied about the idol the whole time to her. So that already is giving RDC a little bit of an uphill climb against one of the jurors, which is something. So that's a minor, that's not, that wasn't my major thing. I just thought that right now. But more importantly, it indicates the fact that he had RDT um, trust, having such a strong level of trust in her that she that he basically gave her the he he willingly gave up his own safety and said here Moss here's your way to get me out of this game if you want to I am giving up my life and putting it in your hands I'm doing the trust fall backwards into your arms and it's your call whether you want to catch me or not and yeah she chose to catch him but the point is that he did that he threw he potentially threw away his own game and she wants the jury to have that in their heads going into FTC so that she can capitalize on it. This would be my theory or how I would put it, but it's very, but again, I'm not fully sure. Cause I've never seen her. She hasn't talked about it in comp. It was really weird when it happened. And if it really was a mistake, she was, she wasn't really online that much. I can very easily see it having just been a mistake on her part, in which case it might be hard for her to defend that to the jury. She doesn't, really think of a good argument for it. 
And in her defense in that, I mean, it's not as if she was going to go to the end, never admitting that it was RDT's idol. You know, that that obviously isn't going to happen. It comes out sooner or later, uh, either, you know, among the finalists or at the jury. It's not like she could have made something, made up a story there. Um, and if it is a valid way to deflect the target off of her for having an idol, uh, but you know that you know you mentioned one way to frame it, and I kind of wonder if it goes the opposite way that in RDT sending her the idol, he's signifying I feel safe in myself, I'm confident enough, and you're not a threat, so I want to keep you around. Um, and this is going to be a really interesting part when this comes up in final tribal council or nautical council. Yeah, that's that's my worry is that it actually backfires and plays out exactly like I already mentioned. Like we already have Sully's exit interview, which pretty much, you know, that play was like a bravo more to RDT than really anything that Moss did. So that that is a concern. Um, is that it's basically you know he's just showing up and being like, yeah, I'm confident that I'm safe and I'm showing that I'm loyal. And I'm giving you an idol and you can either, you know, take loyalty out of your playing of your resume and, you know, take me out here or you have to play to my terms. I don't know if that's what he thought when he was doing it. I think it was just, you know, being a little chaotic, but <laughs> like basically he dared, he basically, you know, whether or not he did it on purpose, he basically dared must, you know, you're either loyal or you know, you can no longer make this argument at FTC against whoever's left. Yeah, I'm actually, but, you know, I'm very interested for... to see where, how, how that conversation goes, because it's definitely going to happen final tribal. And I think a lot of it depends on how much the jury cares about it, which I think they will, but it depends on which jurors care about it, how RDT plays it, how Moss plays it. And depending on how they each argue, I think it could spin any number of different ways. So I think it's, I think it's something that is really hard to call right now. It really depends on how either item to talk it through. Allie, did you have uh, anything you wanted to bring up uh, around this time? I did. <laughs> um, I mean, y'all covered a lot about the, the idol and everything else, but one of the things that for me, I'm seeing is that it was a very weak point in her game plan not to take out her biggest threat and she knew rdt was going to be your biggest threat she knew dano had nothing for the jury she knew mason wasn't going to win she could have won this against those two but not taking rdt out when she had a chance to boost her game i mean it would have been a ballsy move and for her not to do it and to go along with the rest of her game, she's been so under the radar, the jury's not seeing that she's done anything. This would have been the one play that I think would have won the game for her. And she just blew it off like it was nothing. And I think that's how they perceived it. She had a chance and she didn't take it. Uh, first off, I do think I think Dano beats Moss in the FTC, honestly, or I think at least it's a very tough battle, assuming that 
Shivosov RDTF4. Dano has Dano played a great game. He had a really, really strong story in terms of an underdog narrative and his ability to navigate those. The whole his whole game was just really impressive to me. So I would disagree with the sentiment that Moss going on RDT locks her into a win for for one. Uh for oh shoot. Where was it going with this? Okay, yeah. Um yeah, and then secondly, I do agree that this is a again, I do feel like this is a kind of game we've never seen in alliance before. And I think that's as a result of Spencer hinted at this earlier that this season more than any other, we're seeing a lot of people coming in from other orgs, a lot of org alumni. Moss is a big Moss has played a lot of orgs before. Actually, all three of our finalists have played some level of orgs in the past, although this is RDT's first survivor. And I know multiple people on the jury appear to be org alumni. As a matter of fact, I someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think every juror except Gwen has played an org in the past, like even a survivor org in the past. And so, so I do. Oh, yeah, Sully. Thank you. I knew I was missing someone. So because of this, I feel like, and that's significantly more than any past alliance season on the top of my head. And because of that, I feel like the attitude of this jury is going to be different than any other jury that we've seen before in alliance history. Where we, I feel like in a, I don't think we had to throw the rule book all the way, but I think I, won't, I, would, I would not be surprised to be surprised by this jury. I feel like because other and other, of course, in other orgs, FTC is very different than the Alliance, both in format and in jury attitude. And while obviously the format can't translate to here, a lot of aspects of the jury of uh, a lot of aspects can translate here in that FTC performances can mean a lot more versus what you said in the game. A lot of times jurors are more reticent to being con to UTR to under the radar gameplay versus someone claiming that they made a lot of moves at FTC that they didn't see beforehand versus a lot of times a lot of jurors from other orgs are just salty. And if we have a salty jury, I feel like Moss has basically pissed off no one except maybe Gwyn that even a even CC who probably should be salty again, who probably should be salty against her. I don't feel like he is. So we could see a salty jury. We could see a jury that, and in other orgs, UTR gameplay has become a big thing. And, of course, that's why I feel like it's featured a lot here with Moss, with Mason, with other players, because they're doing what they did from other orgs. And typically, it doesn't work in Alliance, and that's true. But this is the kind of jury makeup that we've never seen before. And I do think that that could lead to the kind of jury responses and jury opinions that we've never seen before in Alliance to the point where we may see a very different attitude from the jurors heading into final nautical council. You aren't wrong. It's a, it's a distinct possibility. Uh, all right. Well, so um, let's sort of transition a bit um, and step it out of the representative role play, uh, or at least halfway out of that, and culture to look big picture at where, you know, how would we think that FNC might play out and what are going to be the big things coming up. Um, so let's start with, you know, what I think is going to be a big issue, uh, especially among certain jurors, and that being the deadly blind side 
uh, and who, right? How do the jurors phrase that, or how do the jurors uh, frame that, and who ends up being the one to get the credit there, uh, and how salty are people as a result of that? Uh, and whoever wants to chime in on this can go ahead. Yeah, there's enough distance between when it happened and and now to where I mean to where there was other big stuff to happen. Um, so I think at this point it's not going to be so much you know saltiness over that move or anything like that. It's just going to be looking to um, to attribute the credit. And 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 I think uh, there's people in the know on the jury who who know who was responsible for that move um, or who pushed it. And um, and I think I think ultimately RDT should be able to get credit for that move. And I think if he takes full ownership, I think that can do a lot to sway deadly because deadly, you know, game respects game and deadly will respect the fact that RDT was able to swing that target on him. So, so quickly. Uh, yeah. On this one, deadly vote, it should go to RDT. Like I do feel like he'd put in a lot of the work with that vote. He put a lot of those pieces in play. This is that I feel like this, will be his the centerpiece so to speak of his gameplay and that this is the most direct move that he can point at that was incredibly that was surprisingly successful and all uh, I'd say incredibly but I just remember how messy that vote was at the end of it so if RDT doesn't get credit for it I feel like someone messed up I don't see how I mean Mason literally voted wrong so he can't get credit I don't see a good way for Moss to say that she deserves credit for this vote. I don't think the vote was bad for her game, but I don't see a reason why she should be she'd be able to pull credit as the one to push this. And then as for how that affects the voting, I don't know if it affects Deadly's vote. It could. He does strike me as the kind of person that will respect gameplay, but we also have his exit interview where he's claiming that if Mason makes FTC, I'm voting for him, and that's that. So I so I would be interested to see how it affects him there. Um, when it comes to sort of Gwyn or CeCe, I think CeCe is the kind of person that will also be looking a lot, uh, very, hopefully very critically, or like, you know, trying to analyze it, trying to make a fair judgment decision. So I feel like that might influence CeCe towards voting RDT as well. Uh, all the other jurors or people that were in some level there during the vote, and I don't really see any of them shifting their opinion based on that uh, significantly. Uh, so going off of that then, uh, and I think that ties into another big aspect in that the fact that after that, there, the season ended or had four straight unanimous votes and very nearly a fifth to end it. Um, I mean, how does that play into it and how much, you know, are people going to focus on that versus sort of, I think, the way that um, the Mojo Desert jury looked at the game, which was there was one vote, uh, that being the merged blindside, that really set in motion everything else that came afterwards. And thus, that should be the biggest aspect in the votes. Uh, I mean, is that something that could be similar? Or how do people frame you know, the fact that there were all these unanimous votes that no one can really claim that they did. I mean, I do. the Deadly Blind side does weirdly feel like the tone setter for the merge, which is it's weird because it wasn't the merge boot. And I feel like usually in the Alliance, the merge boot or something near the merge boot has that 
has been the one to set the tone of how the merger is going to go. But I do feel like the original tone of the, that had been set with the Gwyn and CCU back to back was some sort of like pagonging. Was Dano going to be on the block for F9 or whatnot? And then all of a sudden, Delhi gets booted and then the game shifts. It becomes more about cutting those threats out, cutting down Crystal, you know, eliminating Zach because he's Zach um, and so forth. But I do feel like even though all those votes are unanimous, it doesn't mean that there's no one that can take credit for pushing the move. Every vote starts from somewhere. Every vote is propagated from somewhere. The Crystal vote was unanimous, but it was definitely a move. And that's going to be a very complex move for anyone to take credit for. I can see the the jury being really salty about four unanimous votes in a row. You know, no one wanting to, no one wanting to, uh, you know, shake up the, the the pecking order. No one wanting to uh, to, to 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 try something different. Um, and and you, you got to imagine those those four vote outs in a row unanimous were just were were boring for them. They didn't they didn't see anybody doing anything. I um, mean, at that point, okay, oh well, you. Oh, it was your idea, and everyone just piled onto it, you know. And it's just like, eh. So, um, there there might be some traction to get out of those votes, um, but I can't see a lot of people um, basing their votes on much of what happened during those uh, those four straight unanimous votes. And one would say someone on this panel has played in a game like that where everyone just does the boring action. So then it comes. You know, when when it wasn't unanimous, who was the big, who you know who made who made the push there? And you know, I'm I'm not going to say that this game is going to hinge on the deadly vote, but that was the one time where people did something different, and not everyone was on the same page. And you know, as we say, you know, if RDT says the right things, then you know that's going to be the big mover. For him, um, he, he, he is going to have to lean a lot on it, but I think it's certainly the most compelling out of, you know, just in terms of pure vote outs, you know, what happened in this game. So let's touch on um, another thing. Uh, we talked about this some, but in, well, we, from the other perspective with Crystal, um, when it comes up, when she asks RDT about his idol, um, and he tells her something along the lines of either, well, I didn't technically have an idol when you asked about it. I had the other advantage, and I found the idol after. Uh, or he frames it more along the lines of, you know, I, why, did, why should I tell you when you didn't tell me everything, and that's the way the game goes. Um, you know, how do we think Crystal is responding to that, and how might that affect her vote? Leaving out what anyone Honestly, is, I might hope have she's seen Ponderosa. I certainly haven't seen it. Um, I mean, I, I feel like she's got to be over that hump by now. Like, I, I get it's like game emotion. Like, how could you possibly not tell me this? And then all RDT has to point out is that eventually he finds the captain's log. And what does he find? That Crystal and Dano have known about this thing for two weeks with no mention and then you know when he questions crystal about oh what does what is that a role like like someone told me about it and then you know she blows it off as you know oh this was like ryan re-giving me like discord 
role permissions. I'm like, at that point, she kind of loses, like, you know, she can't really be upset at RDT for not explicitly telling her what she had, what he has when she did the exact same thing. Like, it, it's part of the game, you know? It's just like, you don't tell your target that you're voting for them unless, you know, there's not a situation where it could backfire on you. You know, why would I necessarily tell anyone who asks, oh yeah, I totally have this advantage. Like, what purpose does that serve for RDT? So, I mean, for him, two people can play at that game. Like, she did the exact same thing to him. So, I feel like she's over it by now. I, I think she's just learning and got kind of caught up in the emotions of the game. And Crystal will definitely be an interesting juror to watch uh, from her perspectives, um, how her vote plays out. Uh, you know, she had talked a lot about in the game, like, oh, I want to vote for the person who's going to tell me it's my time. Um, and while it, it wasn't much of a surprise to anyone what ultimately happened there, or, or at least to Crystal, Mason was really the one who I think more than anyone else told her that she was the vote. Um, you know, and they kind of had that last minute hashing out. Well, we'll see if that affects anything or if she wants to vote for who she thinks is potentially a stronger player, if that's not what she thinks Mason is. I think where Crystal's concerned, I, I mean, she, I have to agree with, with Tom Banjo that she should be over it by now, but she is going to be questioning it. Um, I think that she's going to want to push that button just a little bit to see what kind of response she gets. And all he, I, I have to agree, all he has to do is just, why would I tell you I had a title? You know, we are playing a game. And I think she would respect that. Uh, just based off of some of the other stuff, uh, I think she would respect it because she didn't play an honest game either. Yeah, like if I was already to, he's not going to do this because it's not in his personality. But I think it'd be so funny if Crystal asked him something like, why didn't you tell me you had an idol? And he just posts back, same reason you didn't tell me about the captain's log and a wink emoji, and then leaves it right there. <laughs> I don't think he would do it because it's too sassy for him. But I just, that's, but yeah, that's just straight up his response. And I think, I think Crystal will ask it, like Ali said, but mostly just a validation that that's going to be the answer he gives. And as long as RDT doesn't, like, panic and clam up when he sees that question, he should Exactly. Be. Yeah. I think, she would, I think she would respond well to just – straight logical response you know don't 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 package it with pretty little flowers of emotion or anything like that just like you said don't have to be blunt about it but you can you can definitely kind of gently lob it back her way and i think she'll you know she'll go oh well yeah <laughs> i mean he's a robot right i don't i don't think he's kind of sugar-coated he's going to be very blunt at this tribal council i i would love it if he you know he kind of you know kind of going along the lines of why didn't you tell me about the idol and he'd be like i'd have it sooner if you told told me about the captain's log oh exactly damn. he's not good yeah <laughs> um, and it is, we saw that thing right. in like an hour <laughs> ridiculous this is also sort of where you get into the question, you know, in that situation, are you aiming for that particular juror's vote or are you crafting an answer in a way that maybe sacrifices one vote but will appeal to everyone else on the jury? 
it's a tough like- call. It's it's so nuanced because any one thing you say can can affect someone positively and six people poorly, and uh, and you just don't know. <laughs> I feel like this. Either- could be- Sorry, you can go ahead. All right, I do feel like that might be RDT's biggest hangup when he hits SEC because I. He does strike me as the kind of guy that's going to overthink a lot of this. He's probably right. I can imagine him like right now trying to plan out how this is going to go. I think what he's going to freak out about is he's going to be trying to appease every juror at once with every question or every answer he gives. And sometimes you really just can't do that. Sometimes you got to like pick your battles and maybe lose one juror, but gain three with depending on how the question is phrased or whatnot. And if he, can't pick that up during SEC. I can see him kind of panicking if someone lobs a hardball at him or some salty juror like Zach or something starts going after him and then he won't know what to do. Um, also, any other big things that we think might be contentious uh, at, in what we see tomorrow? Uh, the question I have is, uh, and, and, and the juror I'm perhaps most interested to see how they comport themselves is Zach. Um, how do we think he's going to act? Um, is he gonna is he going to ask legitimate questions? Is he gonna be just a little bitch? I mean, what what what's he gonna do? I think he's gonna drop us a diss track. Honestly, like I think he's gonna write out a full rap poem about how he shouldn't have been voted off, and he's gonna do it, you know, for respect for the viewers, because he. I. You keep going. No, 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 that's all I had to say. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I think Zach is going to really be champion for Mason because Zach and Mason got really close at the end. And I think that might honestly hurt Mason's game because people are petty. And honestly, Zach was so much that if Zach wanted one person to win, it would make me not want to vote for them. And I, I really think Zach should be unintentionally hurt Mason's game a lot at final tribal. Brandon, you've had strong opinions on Zach. Where do you stand? Oh, where do I start? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Zach Zach is a handful. I don't, oh goodness, I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do here. I, I hope the time in Ponderosa has mellowed him out just a bit. Um, he's going to have very strong opinions. Um, you know, he, he's going to try to ask some hard questions. I don't know if they're going to be, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to be good questions, but he, he's going to, I don't know. I think for him, he's going to try to relate his questions about, you know, his own gameplay and, you know, maybe stroke the ego a bit. I'm not sure, but oof, I, he's going to be a handful. Um, I don't, I would think as a finalist, I'm not going to spend as much time, you know, dealing with Zach as much, you know, I'm, he, we're going to say our piece and we're going to try to focus our energy on everyone else because I mean, that's just, that that's what the game was too, right? There was a point where people were like, okay, like, is this the best strategic move to vote out Zach? No, but it's what I need to, like, be able to think clearly for the rest of the game that's about to come up. So, you know, they're going to spend their time. I don't 
I don't know if anyone actually is going to try to appease them. Um, maybe you can get a vote there, but I, I do agree that Mason is probably in the best spot to get his vote out of everyone else. And I think that's mostly because, as Spencer mentioned, he, he talked to him, you know, at the end. It can be very lonely when you're the one going out. So I think Mason, I mean, that's one thing you could point out too. You know, that was pretty good jury management by him. Um, even though he might not have known that he was going to get all the way, but even something as little as that is enough to get a vote. Uh, yeah, and I think also one maybe one of the strengths for Mason was how often he did that during the game. Uh, not as much in the early rounds when he was away, but as you mentioned with Zach, um, Crystal, when she went out a little bit also along the way, uh, could be something that plays a role. Allie, as a uh, as the only mom, grandmom, and great grandmom here, what is uh, w- w- what did you think of Zach, and and how would you discipline him? <laughs> <laughs> I think I've already stated that. Uh, honestly, y'all are gonna laugh, but Zach acts so close to how my grandson acts, my youngest grandson, the macho. I know everything. Your opinion doesn't matter. I mean, I ha- I live this, and I just want to slap the crap out of him and tell him, no, it, it doesn't work that way. It, the world doesn't revolve around you. But I really think that um, a lot of his comments and statements are going to be, I tried to tell you, I told you so, why didn't you listen to me? Uh, I think it's he's going to try to make everything about him. And uh, it's going to be sad. They're just going to have to go past it. But, uh, yeah, no, this is going to be really rough for him and everybody else. Yep. I can also see – oh, sorry, Spencer, go if we keep doing that, sorry. The thing I want to see is I want to see Zach do the um, cheesy question of like say four positive words about me or something and just see all the uh, finalists scrambling to like create a positive sentence and sentiment <laughs> for him. I'm really hoping that happens. That would be cool. I'm trying to find four words in the thesaurus that basically mean semi-tolerable. <laughs> I also think Zach is going to be a major source in sort of if the jury gets derailed, as we've seen in past Alliance season, I think a lot of that is going to be because of him. I can see him getting, getting the jury kind of distracted, maybe even starting arguments with other jurors, which I think we've seen happen in past seasons. Like, yes. Like I loved so, so much how organized Spidey made the jury last season. It was beautiful. He had little headers for everyone. It was awesome. I cannot imagine Zach abiding by something like that. Like, he just wouldn't be able to control himself. So, be, I can see a, this final nautical taking maybe a little bit longer, quite a while, just because I can see Zach derailing stuff a lot. Uh, so, I also want to circle back a bit to the conversation we were having about Moss. Um because while I do expect her to have a strong performance, I think we've seen her, you know, in this type of situation, she can do really well. Um, and also based on what we've heard about her from those who've known her outside the game, 
I just have very serious concerns about uh, how her game went, what she'll going to be able, what she's going to be able to say to the jury. Um, I mean, seeing looking at it from our perspective, you know, she was so reticent to push anything at any point in the game. All of her conversations are asking questions and going, what are you thinking? Or maybe here's what so-and-so said. And I think it's really easy to just see that. And whether, you know, maybe even true that she's just going with the flow in, in this game. And that's not someone that's the winner of this game. That's someone who becomes a no vote finalist or a one vote finalist. Uh, and I think she's gonna really have to convince people that that wasn't the case. And I'm not sure if that's gonna be something that's possible. Tough road to hoe. Yeah, I think it's going to be really hard for her to get through that being too far behind the scenes. I mean, there was others that were under the radar that did more than what she's done. And even though she could take partial credit for the crystal vote, I believe, uh, starting the thought process and then dropping it because she didn't follow through with it, uh, she could take a partial credit for it if she would just speak up. But for her to um, for her to have a chance to win, it, it it's going to be really difficult. She's been so far under the radar. I think for Moss to win here and for her to sell it, she needs to set the tone of the FTC as something that could be easily easily disproven because a lot of what she's done, like Ari saying, the easy description is that what you could do versus what you did do. And that's a problem. That's what you have to spin because you can say, oh, you could have done a lot, but you didn't do anything. But then she she needs to be able to sell that as I could have done a lot because I put myself in a position where people trusted me. I put myself in a position where I had all the information where I was well liked, where I where everything where basically everything was going just about the way I wanted it to. Or if I'm, I can't remember. I think she posted a boot list once to the beginning of merch, and I feel like a lot. Did she? Or am I confusing her with someone else? I could be mixing it up with Mason's PowerPoint. I don't know. Anyway, um, where she anyway she put herself in a position where she had all the info coming to her. She had most people's trust, if I'm remembering correctly. And and then this is the part where it gets tricky because then the jury says, and you didn't do anything with it. She needs to be able to convince the jury that instead of I didn't do anything with it, it's I didn't need to do heavy things with it. When things were going a little bit out of track, I would push people back onto the right track. I would push people back. I didn't do anything big because I didn't need to. And that's going to be the hard part. That's going to be the tricky part because that's not an easy thing to do. And that's why uh, under the radar gameplay, it's so hard to sell because it's so easy to default back onto, but you didn't do anything. It's a very fine line. It's a very difficult thing to word correctly. So I think that's going to be, that definitely will be her greatest hurdle going into FTC, being able to sell that aspect of the narrative. I think that if she says, instead of saying, or when they say you didn't do anything, it would be more everything I did behind the scenes kept people on a track of where we needed to be 
to get to our final positions. And that's how I got to where I'm at is because I helped guide, and there's the word, I helped guide people on the votes. Yeah, exactly. That she never push she never pushed anything hard, but she gave she gave these little nudges throughout the game. And there's a lot of places I feel like she can point to to indicate that that jurors will be aware of. Or alternatively, if we just have a really salty jury, I feel like a salty jury might just favor Moth because she was probably the most well liked of the three by quite a few of the jurors, especially I think a lot of the early ones that might be salty at all three, but at least salty at her. So if we yeah, just she, get a really salty jury, I think that's most beneficial for her. But she had a good social game. They will remember that. Yeah, exactly. That's some we that's something that you're, we're always going to see in alliance. I think a good social game will always go a long way. And at the end of the day, there are some jurors who are just going to vote for who they like. Like exactly, what's going to happen? And that person can very easily be moms. I just think that you know with her game she had to do something to separate herself from the other players in the game and especially from rdt uh you know in that pack voting the same way every time and she had the opportunities and she didn't, didn't really bother it. didn't take it didn't really bother to do anything um and then i think when you have that under the radar you know air quotes strategy in a game that's a means to an end and you know that gets you in a position to where in the you know you can make your move show yourself off to the jury at some point towards the end uh and if you're staying under the radar for an entire game i think that's where it becomes much more of a sort of lost cause that's the game i thought she was playing i thought she was going to wait till about final five and then make a big splash and leave herself standing as the best of the rest um, having gotten rid of everybody else, she's sitting, she's standing there is going, well, you may not have liked the game I played, but of everybody who's sitting next to me, who else are you going to vote for? And she had that opportunity and she didn't do it. Exactly. Um, so I think we've yeah, covered just, just to go, go back, just to go back just a little bit. So, I mean, yeah, we, uh, Banjo's, um, point about Moss and how she needs to approach it. Um, I mean, I definitely do understand that. I, I think again, and I brought this up earlier when talking about Mason, they're both going to be saying very, very similar things. Mason had to do it a bit later in the game. Um, the first couple of votes, he was kind of um, you know, you know, on the outs for. But I guess in terms of that narrative, you know, who who's going to beat who to punch? Because I'm sure the you know, there's going to be a little bit of jury fatigue. They're going to see the same stuff over and over. You know, there are some subtle differences, but, you know, you're going to have two stories that are going to lay out pretty similarly, you know, from F7 on. And then, you know, you're going to have RDT probably taking a more, you know, bullet point by bullet point, you know, approach to things. You know, he's going to say his piece and, you know, he's not – He's not going to really be one to pander. So I'm really interested in seeing between Mason and Moss, you know, who, <clears throat> you know, who has a good start because that's, I don't know if you're going to be able to come back if you come out flat for opening statement. And they both, they've both been in this position before. So I think that's really the key battle 
you know, RDT is going to do his thing, and I don't know if he's ever going to get more than five votes. I think five of his five of his five is his max. It's whether the other two, you know, kind of chip away at that, and you know, at, as Spencer said, you know, maybe some sort of plurality win is what's going to win this game. Uh, and so, going off of that, uh, I think we've covered quite a bit here. Um, so let's shift into our predictions part of this episode. Uh, so I'll start with Rushes, who had to run earlier, but sent in his prediction for the final tribal, and he has a 6-1-1 vote for RDT. Um, so Brando, you might disagree with that. Um, so let's go into that. Whoever wants to go next, uh, go ahead. Don't rush. I'll hop on. I'll do All it. Right. I have a 4-3-1 vote. I have with Mason winning. I have Deadly, Zach, Crystal, and Flair voting for Mason. Stoli, Dano, and Cece voting for RDT. And Gwen voting for Moss. All right. <coughs> I'm trying to decide if I'm going to get thrown off this podcast for saying 8 <laughs> Say it. Say it. We respect all opinions I, here. I'm uh, sorry, Bando. We I, we have no. not had a unanimous winner, and I don't think Moss has the gameplay to make itself this time. Yeah, I'm not. I don't think I'm gonna go that hot and make the call, but I'm going to say a eight jurors, right? Um, yeah, I'm going to say five to one vote. Moss win. I think Deadly votes Mason. I think Sully and Dano vote RDT. And I think everyone else votes Moss. Uh, Y'all are putting me on the spot now. Uh, Hurst, do you want to jump in? Oh, yeah. Brandon? Oh, I'm ready. I got some hot shit for you here. Okay. Um, I'm calling for a 4-4. Dano, Sully, Gwen, and Cece voting for RDT. Flair, Crystal, Deadly, and Zach voting for Mason. Moss breaks the tie. I think I know where Moss would go with this, though. Moss breaks the tie and gives the win to her closest ally, RDT. Now that's a spicy one, Hurt. <laughs> uh, Allie or Brandon, or I can jump in. Go ahead. Give me a minute. All right. Uh, so I have it at um, a 5 2 1 win uh, with five for RDT, uh, Deadly breaking off the vote for Mason, and then I have Gwyn and uh, Sully voting for Moss. Uh, but I think RDT has too strong a case to, you know, for the majority of jurors not to see it. Uh, Brandon, do you want to jump in here? This is hard. I'm, I'm, this is hard. I'm trying to look back at what I put at the poll and I didn't finish it. So, <laughs> uh, eesh. I think 
I, I, I think I said before, I think five is the max RDT can get because I don't know if he's going <laughs> to present an argument that everyone will agree with. So I think, what, five, two, one? That sounds pretty good. I think a five, two, one. Uh, whether it's Mason or Moss getting the two, I think, I, I guess it would depend on who the two, you know, who, who are these, who are the jurors that are splitting off end up being. I, I think Moss will do enough to get to maybe three votes at this tribal. I don't know if she can get more than that. So I'll say five, two, one, RDT, Moss, Mason. Okay. I um, was looking at what I had previous, and uh, I've got uh, six, two, and the two votes are for Mason, the rest is for RDT. All right, so we've got a wide range of predictions, I think, uh, you know, a lot more undecisive than the past few seasons heading in, uh, which should make this a really exciting time. Um, a few last things here to wrap up. Uh, the viewer superlative form uh, is out. Make sure you fill that out uh, before the start of Nautical Council. Uh, Hurst, do you want to talk about your favorite pair of categories and how you see that this time? Yes, the, uh, the age-old debate um, of the difference between uh, the player you would think deserves a second chance against the player you would most like to see play again. And in my mind, the second chance is uh, for somebody who, whose game was cut short, abruptly, um, too soon. And the other, the player you would most like to see play again is somebody whose game you enjoyed so much that, yeah, you would literally like to see them play a game. And, um, and uh, I won't, uh, I won't uh, say who I voted for so as to not uh, muddy the waters, but uh, I do think there's a clear distinction there. I think it's perfectly normal to vote for two people, different people in those categories, um, if you kind of approach it from that point of view. Uh, all right, uh, so make sure you get with that. Um, uh, so I also want to give a thanks to Karstway, who was supposed to jump on uh, and then wasn't feeling well this week and had to uh, cut out and wasn't able to stay up late enough for us in the British time zones. Uh, um, but um, if the other thing is this podcast will be opened up to the public. Um, Hopefully sometime over the weekend, we'll have another recap episode uh, after probably a short break for Hirsch and I, uh, but that will come your way eventually. Um, yeah, but if you're listening to this and you were a player in the season, just know that we love you. You did a great job and we really hope that you stick around with us. Uh, if you're on the jury, you'll be in VIP with us next season. Uh, and if you were in the regular lounge and you're catching up now, Make sure you sign up for that VIP next season so you can get these throughout the season and everything that comes with that. Uh, also, thanks everyone uh, for listening. Uh, it was, I think we had a great season here uh, with the podcast. Um, didn't have quite much as usual given the timing and everything and getting you know the way, the state of the world um, and busyness in jobs and work, but it's maybe not quite as many games with everyone or as a long episode during the week. Uh, but we hope you enjoyed and we will 
certainly continue to give you whatever we can uh, going forward in the future. Absolutely. Uh, Hirsch, do you have anything else you wanted to add as we wrap up here? Ari, Ari uh, just again to you, my friend, uh, thank you for uh, getting the, the guests put together. You do a lot of the heavy lifting. I, uh, I said as much in my uh, podcast episode with uh, Ryan. Um, you, you really uh, you, you put it together and you, you, you cut it together and you make it work and sound good. And I appreciate all your efforts and, uh, and what you do and getting everybody, uh, all the guests lined up. And um, I wouldn't keep doing it if I didn't enjoy it. And, uh, and, I'm, and I'm glad that we're doing this still. Uh, appreciate that and definitely look forward to staying in touch with you. Um, so thanks everyone uh, here on with us today. Hurst, do you want to take the good nights for this one? Yes. All right. All right, guys. Well, Allie, good night. Good night, Hirsch. Tom, good night. Good night, Hirsch. Brandon, good night. Good night. Spencer, you're not familiar with this, but in the VIP voice channel. Oh, yeah, or maybe you are. I always say good night to everybody. So, sir, it's been a pleasure getting to know you. I'm glad you stuck around, and I would like to say to you, Young man, good night. Thank you. Good night. And Ari, good night. Good night, Hirsch. Uh, and thanks, everyone, for being here. And everyone uh, who listened, we will uh, be back, hopefully, with the recap episode sometime soon. Until then, uh, take care, everyone. Thanks for being here with us. Peace. I'm pretty sure that's the same uh, sound. Like we're getting. <laughs> I think we're getting sucked into the matrix here. <laughs> I don't know. Isn't that the sound that the demon from the Exorcist made? I'm just having Radio Mojo flashbacks. <laughs>